Welcome in to Sharpen the Point. It's episode three of this new podcast, week two of the college football season. Brian Peller and Chris Tindall talking college football picks and DFS. If you were with us last week through the end, hopefully you were. We talked plenty bit about the FSU-LSU game and especially that final DFS discussion sent around the showdown slate for that night. If you listened and you followed us, I have to imagine you cashed. And I have to imagine you likely are one of the six people who tied with us in winning the t- tournaments we were in. I turned three in a buck seventy-five. What, what did you? You ended up winning one of yours. How much was yours? I'm a I'm a terrible showdown player, so I limited myself to one dollar, and I won two seventy <laughs> on it. Yeah, that works out great. I should have been in that tournament. Um, shout out to Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, Jordan Travis, Lawrence Tofili, Jaden Daniels, and Brian Thomas. Um, that was a lineup. It, we talked about putting Coleman as a captain. We ended up going with Travis on that uh, just for a safety blanket. If we had gone Coleman, we we would have outright won those tournaments. But um, pretty solid for the first real week to just give you lineups to win tournaments. I I, I don't know if we can complain. And uh, to, to take you inside of it, I was covering the game for, for Tomahawk Nation. So I was in the press box and I had texted Chris in the fourth quarter. I said, man, we're like a, a Brian Thomas touchdown away from this thing being a win because Jaheim Bell had the two fourth quarter touchdowns um, and he absolutely smashed his value. That was a stupid number they had on him. Yeah, we got, we got uh, fortunate there. And then, and then like we said, we said Keon Coleman on a slant, he hit one in the first quarter. Immediately right off the bat. Yeah. It was just a lock. And then Jaheim Bell, I, I wanted a rushing touchdown. Doubt you see another one the rest of the year, but he went back to the bell dozer. <laughs> yeah he walked it in and i told you i was like we are i'm like i'm up in like top 10 right now in this pool i said if if i can if we can get a garbage time thomas touchdown or something i i can i mean we're not that far back and like like i said i'm in the press box so i'm watching it right in front of my eyes versus watching on i assume a stream tv maybe maybe like a youtube tv situation or something no i had it on the <laughs> ipad because i've i've my apparently direct tv doesn't have that channel anymore oh okay well there you go but I texted you like as he was running into the end zone, like Brian Thomas touchdown. He did it. He did it. And you were like, you hadn't even seen it yet. And I was already celebrating. I was like, just kicking on, just recover it and kneel this thing out, baby. Let's cash it all the way home. Oh, no, we tied. We actually, I tied with the same guy you tied with. Really? Wow. Well, shout out that guy. Hopefully he listens and and is just going to trail us all year. And hopefully we continue providing winners. So just in case you needed any of that proof, uh, we are playing what we say and apparently winning with it. So, uh, as always, my general disclaimer, we're not gambling experts, two guys giving perspectives on spreads and DFS. If you're betting and playing, do so responsibly. Don't take our word as Bible. But, hey, at least for one week, we, we know what we're talking about, and it worked out great. So if you're here to listen to that and, and you know, follow along with us, great. That's what we're going to be doing. And, you know, trail us at your own risk is what I'll always say. Um, and reminder, this is a podcast accompanying an article on TomahawkNation.com. So with all the picks and DFS plays we talk about, it's all listed out on there. If you want to kind of go back and see more, um, you know, just revisit it and and whatnot, it's all listed there for you. Plus some extra context on a little more of the games and things as well. Pretty much what we provide here. So whether you were wherever you're hearing it, thank you. Go check out that article and, and follow along. I do want to go back before we get into the fun games this week, which I think there's a ton of. Um, I want to focus lastly, quickly on what we missed last week. Um, or at least what what I picked last week. Uh, apparently, Dion can build a plane in the sky. I I, I didn't think that was a possibility, uh, but he not only covered that twenty and a half, but got the upset. We'll we'll talk more about them in, in a little bit. I do think this game in particular was a little more on TCU, but again, I'll come back to them in a second. South Carolina um, could not block North Carolina. Got absolutely smashed there, uh, and Drake may look great. Yeah, anything besides that that really stood out to you? Uh, Antoine Wells did not, he played about two plays and then was out of the game. So that, that killed Rattler. Uh, they're, they, they didn't run the ball near as well as I had hoped. Uh, Joyner ended up making value, I think, but he just didn't get the rock enough and he pointed his way in late, but yeah, I, I thought Pesor looked good and, uh, we can, we're gonna have to take the pitchforks all the way to the NCAA office. Cause, uh, Tez Walker is officially ineligible. Yeah, and Mac Brown with a pretty pointed statement on that one today. It uh, sucks. Well, I guess unless you're a Florida State fan and you're eyeing an ACC championship game, you're probably thrilled with it. But, um, you know, for a college football fan, it just, you know, sucks for a talented kid not to be able to play. 
yeah, it's it's uh it's a tough situation, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um the other the opposite side of, of missing things, like I just mentioned, I think I pretty much nailed this FSU game thought process. I, I if you listened to the Sharpen the Point podcast last week, you kind of got my updated thoughts. If you listened to our um seminal rap podcast, which releases on Monday, typically recorded on Sunday, at that point I was like, I don't see a path to this being not being a closed game. I think it's two great teams that are just going to fight it out. Um, by Friday, when I jumped on here with you, man, I was like, I see a lot more paths to Florida State blowing this thing out. I don't think LSU has the run game. And if Florida State's defense can just pin their ears back and play the defense, I think there's a path there. I still didn't think Florida State would be able to run the ball um, as well. But I said, you know, that Florida State passing attack was wide open. Um, I certainly didn't expect that kind of game from Keon Coleman, but I thought he was under undersalaried and undervalued as with Jaheim Bell. Uh, obviously, that is pretty much exactly what ended up happening, and I just uh, maybe took me a little longer to get to it than I hoped. But um, and again, I went to LSU, so that's a little disheartening. But that's okay. I'm an outside party viewing this one, and Florida State really just looked like a monster offense. I expect to be priced really high the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to having to pay the pricing on them the rest of the year now. I, I don't think you, Bell's not going to get priced up. He's a tight end. I think you might get some value out of the running backs going forward for the so next Benson few and weeks. And maybe the next yeah. two weeks they've got lesser opponents to, to look at some of the younger guys as well behind them. Yeah, so whenever they're on slates now. And it also is going to depend how these guys perform these next couple of weeks as to what salary we're going to see because they tend to be – pretty conservative on on that type of stuff where the salary is going to get bumped based off of uh if if they have big games but i think wilson maybe will have some bigger games here soon and he had a couple of coleman. tough drops yeah too. yeah i yeah, can see him he... sliding as like a price point maybe see coleman jumping but I, I i i didn't hate the way johnny played with game one well if if johnny plays well against the uh some lesser opponents by the time i'm, I'm mainly looking at when we get to clemson, clemson. right so I, by the time we get to Clemson, if they're playing the lesser guys and Wilson ends up heating up and Coleman's not breaking the long ones, we've already seen Coleman do it. So I think Coleman will stay underpriced compared to Wilson. But if Coleman continues to hit the big plays, then Wilson might be undervalued by the time we get to Clemson. Yeah, and we mentioned I think the running backs could be interesting. Of course, it's a lot going to depend on what Clemson looks like these next two weeks. That game one was kind of – uh gross uh i imagine they were one of the other surprises for you anything else stand out college football wise ah they were they were they were a little bit surprising but it was more so i was surprised that the defense played so poorly uh i expected the weapons to not be there which i don't understand why clemson and wide receivers used to go hand in hand back in the day and with with watkins and mike williams and t higgins and now they're now they they're devoid of talent at this point. They don't have any talent on the outside. I think Klubnik's good, although situationally that was an abysmal decision to slide. But yeah, yeah, um, we'll, we'll see. They're still very talented in the backfield. It's just they don't have the talent on the outside to make the plays. Yeah, overall, I mean, they had they they got the yardage. I mean, I, I think like you said, situationally, they were really gross around the goal line. They were fumbling the ball every chance they got. Uh, third and short felt like they always ended up somehow being a yard short. Um, it was just it was really gross from Clemson they all the way around. Four, they had four drives to start the second half that went uh, missed field goal, missed field goal, fumble inside the ten, fumble inside the ten. You don't win a lot of games that way. Yeah, I, I, and that's where, I mean, I, I am with a lot of people that I think Clemson is down, but you, you can see that there were a couple of things that it's like if you just don't fumble inside the 10, your kicker hits from 30 yards out or whatever it was. You're not, you're not, you weren't, I don't think they were lose to Duke by three touchdowns bad. Um, no, Outside but of I, like four plays. I would say that, Dukes don't disrespect Duke as far as their skill position players are very good. They're I said in the show last week that Duke's wide receiver core was better than Clemson's and they outplayed them and they didn't have to really play that much better. They also had the buff punt, but their running backs are very good. They're not as good as Clemson's, but they're also very good. And you got little Daniel Jones out there. <laughs> Uh, outside of that, I know Ohio State looked pretty gross against Indiana. Michigan was kind of throwing the ball around a lot more than I think either of us expected. Well, the crazy part, 
was my guy Donovan Edwards had 13 carries. I just normally expect him to turn that into 150 yards and two touchdowns instead of 40 <laughs> yards. So he didn't look the part, even though Blake Corum did. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if this week you see Edwards reverse course on that, but he got a price bump after 13 carries for 39 yards somehow. But yeah, I think they they threw the ball a lot, which was which was interesting. And there was a lot of uh, fun fun games. It, it all started off with that Colorado game, which was a blast. Yeah, and we'll see what uh, Ohio State looks like probably again in two weeks. They'll have two weeks to kind of figure it out. They got uh, at Notre Dame coming their way in, in a little bit, returning that favor from last year's game. Speaking of Notre Dame, they're the first game this weekend. I want to go ahead and talk about it's uh, number ten Notre Dame minus seven and a half at nc state i have gone back and forth on this one i'm gonna go with nc state and it's on two things uh one since i've started doing this these podcasts on on this florida state network and, and writing these articles and talking about florida state the one place that i feel like is some kind of like boogeyman for everyone in the acc is playing at nc state um no one seems to want to do it and it just seems like gross things happen there um, though Sam Hartman seems to have a ton of success playing against this NC State defense. Does Notre Dame ready for that? Um, so I'll take the seven and a half points, but also because we we love Brennan Armstrong. We are the Brennan Armstrong fan club unofficially. <laughs> he was terrible last year. I still he played sure him. I, I, I played him the year before and it was very profitable. But last yeah. year it was not profitable at all. And he got to reunite with his offensive coordinator. And I love him and I love watching him. And he went for, what, 92 yards rushing and, a and two touchdowns against UConn. It was UConn. They looked a little weak coming out, but I think they were trying to iron out with a whole new receiving core and working in a true freshman as their number one wide receiver. I think you could see Armstrong do some good stuff this week and seven with the hook at, at home, get, getting seven and a hook. Like that's, that's a lot to lay. I, I like it a lot, man. And I get it. Like Notre Dame's looked really good in their two games. So I understand where you could come from on the Notre Dame side. I, I I've got friends who, uh, we we do like a pick them every week as just a friend, you know, kind of like a fantasy football as like a small group uh, head to head kind of pool thing. And uh, a lot of them are on Notre Dame. And the simple fact is Sam Harton, Hartman owns NC State. It's just what he's done in his career. Um, this isn't the mesh offense, though. I mean, you, 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 we said it a couple of times last week. It's just not what Notre Dame ran. And I, I don't know if that is what gave NC State fits in the way they played this three three five or if it's Sam Hartman just knows that that color helmet is just something he owns. I, I imagine it's more of the scheme to, to actually do that than it is the, the, he just is really good against red helmets. So I trust the NC state defense to be good. They've always been good. They, they typically are very difficult to play against. And yes, you referenced that Hartman had a big game last year, but I, I, I referenced it in my notes, in my blurb. 397 and two. I left out the key that he had three interceptions in that game, too. But those are more important for a game than they are for fantasy. They're only negative one. I don't care about those. I want the yardage. So that got wiped out when he hit that 300 yard bonus. So I, I think you can see Hartman get there. I just don't know. I think he could have mistakes. I don't know the talent level of Notre Dame on the outside, and I, I just wouldn't lay the seven and a half. I would I prefer to side with the NC State side. Plus, the total is actually kind of low. I was surprised at 51. I thought it would be more towards 58. Well, hopefully that one touchdown, the difference in, in your thought process is the one touchdown that keeps this one within a touchdown. Um, all right, so we're both on NC State. I, I, I like that. I was curious where you'd fall because I know – Notre Dame's looked impressive, but I know we are we are we are Brennan boys. Can we call us Brennan Bros? What is it? We'll just go with something. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nick, go ahead. No, I was just I was just agreeing with that one. That we're, oh, okay. we are the Brennan boys. We Brennan we love, boys. Uh, we, you got to have something with a ginger in it. <laughs> the the next one I want to talk about uh, Nebraska plus three and a half at Colorado. I mentioned this one earlier. Boy, did everyone fall in love with Colorado and um obviously Dion is the talk of college football this week he really seemed to win week one even more so than 
somehow Florida State winning a top 10 matchup by like three touchdowns and a primetime spot did. It was it was Dion who who opened shows on Monday. Um I'm amazed by them being ranked and having as much support as they do coming out of game one. Um am I crazy? Should I be buying this team? I've seen that 75% of the bets and 80% of the money is on Colorado. And it makes it. complete sense. It does make complete sense because the public's going to be all over it. And I'll, I'll full transparency during the middle of the TCU game. I bet Colorado. I bet well, but I, I got, him, I got him at plus eight. <laughs> well, but we were texting, we were texting during the game and, and I was running around Orlando getting situated from picking up my brother-in-law at the airport for the game and stuff like that. But um, you were like, I texted you and I was like, man, uh, I forget TCU's quarterback's name off my head. Chandler Morris. Yep. Yeah. I was like, he's garbage. It, it was just, I, I, I was watching and I was like, this is just not going to happen. Like Colorado just, it, this is not 20, forget 20 and a half. This, this is not going to happen for TCU. And I, by the end of it, I was surprised they even had the lead. I was very appreciative of that text because Morris immediately threw a touchdown and ran one in. <laughs> And I was like, okay, we're on our way to a little cash here. Yeah, well, again, you're you're looking at it from the DFS perspective there. I was out on that slate because I wasn't going to have a chance to watch it. Um, yeah. And I, I prefer to play it when, when I can watch it. Uh, I'm curious, three and a half, I, and I understand what you just said, that all the money's on um, Colorado on this one. I, I was looking at Bill Connolly's SP Plus rankings and kind of that one handicapping this game. He, he's got the numbers where like Nebraska should be like a nine point favorite. Um, and, and the public money has just moved this line, basically 10 points. Well, in fairness, like I said, I, I bet this, but I bet this game because the books left it up and it, and it originally opened it in Nebraska minus nine. I got it at Colorado plus eight. So wow. now it's at minus minus three and a half, I think. Yeah, so Colorado that's why, minus three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So I got Colorado plus eight. So it's an eleven and a half point line move on that. But I think Colorado's defense still stinks. But I, I mean, are we just forgetting how terrible Nebraska looked against Minnesota? Sure, but I just don't. Did you feel like Colorado really did offensively? I thought they looked great. But, like, it almost was similar to Duke to me where I felt like, especially early on, every time TCU had a chance to score, they found a way to do something stupid. Yeah, and I agree with that. But And, and at the same time, I think Colorado's going to be able to score. Now, yeah. I don't think Colorado can stop anybody. And I also wonder how many snaps does Travis Hunter play, right? That, I mean, it, that's going to be an ongoing question. They, it, To me, it looked like they were force-feeding him the ball early and often. I was actually kind of surprised at how much it was designed to go to Hunter for the entirety of that game. It was just pepper, 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 pepper. The team had the amazing, most amazing stat I saw for that Colorado team. Last year, they had two guys go for 100 yards receiving in a game the entire season. This last week, they had four. <laughs> but like you talked about that last week, you, you said this team is going to be in chase mode a lot and they're just going to have to keep scoring. So I get that from a fantasy perspective. From an actual college football perspective, though, I I felt like TCU was the team right off the bat that just looked like completely lost. I feel mm -hmm. like if you can at least show up with some kind of power up front on either side of the ball, you'll be fine and you just got to be able to just hold the ball i mean you, you just if you can score i don't think colorado is going to be able to stop you especially i think in this game as you mentioned how much can travis hunter play in colorado as well like in this altitude can he can he line up and play 100 snaps in this situation well I, I, that's the tough part and then the interesting part too is colorado didn't have their starting running back last week alton mccaskill the transfer from houston who played very well at houston should be back this week so that gives them even another running back uh, i think a lot of people are going to want to play edwards because he popped off for the four touchdowns but it wasn't anything sustainable he was it was all long plays i think he's going to end up being the chalk at what 6500 and yeah, i think lost. he's just he's just an awful play 
just an awful play, especially if McCaskill comes back. And now I could eat my words. He could have two touches for 150 yards and two touchdowns after what he looked like last week. <laughs> but I think what you're going to see is Nebraska grind the clock down and try to hold on to the ball and just grind away at it and just try to hold them down. The, the problem is that I wish this game was in Lincoln. I'd feel more confident. But the first game in Colorado – gives me a little bit more confidence towards Colorado that they're going to light the scoreboard up. And I don't think Nebraska can light the scoreboard up. That's kind of the one thing that weirds me out is like, does Nebraska make enough mistakes that Colorado can just, because Colorado flat out out coached. They just out coached the team that was in the national championship last year, largely because of coaching because their talent level wasn't that great on offense. They just out coached that team. Now, we could say that Colorado treated that like it was their Super Bowl and they put all their emphasis on that one game and they have a ton of talented coaches there with the offensive coordinator being the former head coach at Kent State. You know, they're very good. I could see where they maybe just prepared so heavily. How do they do on a short, you know, on a week where they only have one week to prepare instead of all that time? Yeah, and I wonder how much of it is going to be um, the wear and tear on the body of a college football season. You know, that was the first game. They're presumably as fresh and healthy as they're going to be all year. If you've got a couple of guys banged up here and there, um, I can't imagine they're the deepest roster going. And, you know, if a couple of guys are gassed, winded, a little banged up here and there, I, I think that leaves some openings. And like you mentioned, I think if Nebraska can just lean on them for three and a half quarters, at some point the floodgates are just going to bust open because they can't hang that way forever. Um, I, I'm, I feel really good about this one at, at Nebraska plus three and a half, especially for something that opened and swung 11 points. If you're gonna end up giving me three on something that opened that almost giving away nine, I I'll take that all day. Yeah. And I, you'll, we'll talk about the Nebraska quarterback coming up soon. <laughs> uh, moving on to one of your other favorites who we'll talk about later as well. Ole Miss number 20 minus seven and a half at number 24 Tulane. Um, I'm, sitting here just amazed to see Tulane hosting an SEC ranked matchup uh, as a New Orleans kid growing up. It's, it's a, I remember when Tulane didn't have a stadium. So, I mean, to go from there to hosting a sold out crowd of an SEC team is, is impressive coming off a year where they just beat the Heisman trophy winner. Um, and they certainly uh, embarrassed a USA team, a South Alabama team. That a lot of people thought had a chance to beat them, but they, they kind of put it on them. You and I were talking before this, the big concern for me, and, and I imagine it's the same for you, their quarterback, uh, Pratt, looked a little banged up after last week's game. He's claimed it was a cramp, but um, he, he was he was limping pretty good. It's actually interesting that we had we had gotten the same information from two completely different places. Yeah, we hadn't uh, talked all week about this game at all, and uh, we talked about it and had the same information. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was worried Pratt was injured, and – I also don't know how to handicap that offense whatsoever. I think Ole Miss has a very good defense, in my opinion. I think they have a good defense. I was very impressed with Tulane's defense against South Alabama. South Alabama, you might say it's South Alabama, but they're actually a decent team out of uh, out of the Sun Belt. So, and pretty familiar with the Sun Belt at this point. And <laughs> and. They're, they're good. They got good talent on, on the entire team. And I was impressed with what they were able to do. Um, and then I don't know where the production is going to come from for Tulane. They spread the ball on offense uh, a lot to the wide receivers and the running backs last year, they rode Ty J Spears and with him gone, I, I think they'll go back to a committee approach. I'm very concerned about Tulane's ability to hang in this one um, for a few reasons. One, Ole Miss is uh, synonymous, I guess, in my head with like early season success. Like when you when you tell me like a team that just comes out the gates hot, it feels like it's always Ole Miss. Somehow they always end up like 12 or 13 before October turns the calendar. They somehow already have a win against Bama before the year even starts. I don't get it. But early in the year, I feel like they always click well. Uh, they're normally very fast, especially with uh, our, another one of, of the darlings of this podcast is Judkins. Um, I, I think Ole Miss's speed with a quarterback who can't really move with maybe a little bit more of that SEC power um, 
I imagine they're going to light up a scoreboard and really be a problem for this two-lane offense. I also think Lane Kiffin's going to want to kind of show off a little bit if they get a chance to run up this score. Um, It's no secret that New Orleans is full of high school talent, and I think he would love the opportunity to walk into uptown New Orleans and hang a ton of points and and be able to use that in, in front of maybe even just a handful of recruits from that area. But it's an SEC fight spot all the time. So you can impress a kid or two. Take it. Yeah, I think he's going to try to put on a show. I, I'm not a Jackson Dart guy. I don't <laughs> know how to feel about it. I he, he just has never done anything where I was like, oh, crap, I need to play Jackson Dart. I feel like every time I've thought about it, I've seen him do it a few times where I'm like, oh, I got burnt by Jackson Dart. He's one of those guys that if I lose because I didn't play Jackson Dart, I'm okay with it. But this week, he's interesting. I am i don't know how I feel about it. He was priced way up more than I wanted him to be. Uh, they got Trey Harris in from Louisiana Tech as, as the number one wide receiver. I think he had three touchdowns in the first quarter last week. Yeah, I think he finished with four. He yeah, had like he three on their first four. three or four possessions. Yeah, and and I, like you said, fan club every time i see his name i want to i want to play the the thing of leroy jenkins i say <laughs> quinston jenkins I, I love him i mean he was a freshman last year just ran all over everybody in the sec and you couldn't not want to play him he had a good game last week but they didn't need him against mercer i think they need him this week and i'm i'm hoping that tulane's defense is just good enough that i can get 150 to 200 yards out of him so I'm going Ole Miss minus seven and a half. You feel good about that? I feel good about that because especially if Pratt, if, if news comes out that Pratt's out, that that line's going to fourteen. I, I think he's going to be the guy who plays regardless, even if he's oh, yeah. even if he's hobbled a bit. I think he plays. He was banged up last year at one point, and I didn't know it, and I played him, and I watched the game, and he couldn't even move. Yeah, so I imagine even if he's got something going on, he'll be out there, and and. I don't, I don't know what the backup situation is to say whether or not that's a good decision or bad decision for them. He's He's been great there over the last year plus now. Um, I can't fault him for playing and them for playing because this is probably as big of a game as they're going to have on the schedule if they want to contend for real things. An SEC win will go a long way. Um, speaking of SEC, this game is uh, – do we call this the BOGO game? Like swing by Publix, grab a loaf of bread, and, and don't forget your – pick up your Miami tickets on the way out. Texas A&M minus four and a half at, at Hard Rock Stadium against the Hurricanes. Um, I originally felt like this game was going to be gross. If you read my write-up on the website, um, I think I wrote this game is going to be gross because it was gross last year. Um, I feel like now I am kind of completely opposite. I feel like there's going to be a lot of points. I actually want to watch this game. I think the over-under is too low. I think I think there's going to be a lot of chucking the football in this game because both teams, in my opinion, are worse against the pass, I guess. I know Miami, Miami last year was very good against the pass. They hemorrhaged a little bit against the run. A&M's sneaky good at quarterback and wide receiver. A lot of wide receiver talent. Mushin Muhammad III is, is not even a starter for them anymore somehow. Uh, Aeneas Smith, uh, Stewart, there's a lot of talent in this team, and I don't think they have a running back situation. They have a very wide split with Ashton Daniels, and I saw a lot of people starting to hit the under on his rushing prop today on Ashton Daniels. So I think they think that. Then you got Miami. Miami last week, I played a lot of Tyler Van Dyke with Colby Young. Colby Young looked really good. Restrepo's good. It looks like a poor man's Braxton Berrios out there. And uh, they had the other kid who looked good last week, too, at wide receiver. So they, they have a three-headed monster at wide receiver. They got a few running backs out there. But ultimately, both teams look like they can chuck it. Yeah, my I, I think of Restrepo as like the straw that stirs the drink for Tyler Van Dyke. It seems like when he's out there, he feels a ton more comfortable. I know he was banged up towards the end of last year, in and out. Um, it just feels like when he's out there, it's it's like that like safety blanket for him where he just kind of knows where he's going to be and it makes him feel better. Personally, I just don't like Texas A&M. My sister went there. My brother-in-law went there. I just don't like them. So I'm on Miami plus four and a half at home. Yeah, I think I, I would lean over. I'm going to take over 51. I'm just <laughs> that's that's where your official ruling, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So the other game I want to talk about spread-wise, I think, is the game of the weekend. I assume game day's here, and I assume big noon Saturday's somewhere at, like, Nebraska, Colorado or something. But uh, Texas at Alabama, it's Texas plus 7.5. I made this the big write-up on the article, and as I mentioned, TomahawkNation.com. Leave your picks in the comments. Um, Texas last year was hanging their hat on this game as the signal that they were back, um, which is amazing because they lost. But they the the roughing the passer call on Bryce Young in the end zone that took away either a safety or a touchdown, depending on what they were actually going to rule there. Um, they lose by one. And it, it, it kind of felt like that threw them off completely, even though they were like, we're good, we're here. It felt like if they had gotten that win, it would be a totally different situation. Um, and Alabama's got a lot of turnover, especially at the quarterback position. I don't know how confident people are in Milrow. Some people saying last week showed that he's that guy. I don't know if I'm sold yet. But what I keep coming back to is, and looking at it earlier, Texas was better last year than I thought, even with five losses. Um, Everything was like they lost by one to tech, Alabama. They lost by like two to Kansas, maybe. Or they, they, it was like every loss was by seven or less. And um, of course, a lot of that has to do with Bijan Robinson, Brock Johnson. They're gone. Um, I just simply can't get myself to look at Alabama at home and feel comfortable going any other direction. So it's interesting. You can play it a couple of ways, right? No Bijan, big deal. Uh, no Roshan Johnson, big deal. Baxter, the true freshman, left the game last week injured. He landed on the football, hurt his ribs. But he hurt. is a very, very good running back. And he can play a role. And you're going to see Jonathan Brooks play a role, who we touted. And he ended up being playing out real well last week. Now... They have uh, A.D. Mitchell from Georgia as one of their wide receivers. So they upgraded their wide receiver room, didn't really lose anything at wide receiver, still have that very good tight end, Jatavion Sanders. And they lost their running backs, but they're pretty good there, pretty stout. Xavier Worthy and Quinn Ewers just haven't quite gotten on the same page somehow on the deep pass. Like if they can start hitting that, they're going to look pretty good. My big thing is Alabama, yes, looked very good last week on on offense. I thought uh, I thought Milrow looked good, but if Gary Patterson, longtime great TCU coach, who's now the defensive coordinator at Texas, if he's capable of shutting down Bryce Young, what's he going to do to Milrow? That's kind of the worry there. Is I wonder if that that game's going to be close, in my opinion. I I don't know. You know you, there's not a lot of talent. Like in, in the backfield's good, you know, but there's not that star player to me on Alabama right now. Yeah, I don't know. That that's the weird thing for me. Whenever I look at it with my uh, football eye, I I, I think. I'm underrating Texas, but from years of experience, and again, I grew up in Louisiana, went to LSU and have watched them play at Alabama no less than seven or eight times over the last 15 years. And the amount of times I have watched an LSU team and say that team is capable of winning a championship and watch them go to Alabama and Nick Saban and look completely lost. Um, it's what gets in my head where I just go, I just can't see myself picking against Alabama here. I just, I end up there every time where it's like, they are a monster. And I, I think Saban will be dead and gone before I'm convinced that he is somehow not going to lead Alabama to a 17 point game where after the game, he's shaking hands with their coach. And I'm going, well, of course that son of a bitch did it again. Of course. Like, of course. This is a spot where traditionally for the past 20 years, you made a lot of money by playing a lot of Alabama guys and betting on Bama where everybody says, oh, this is the team that's going to knock Bama off. And then Bama goes out and wins by 30. That yeah. I, I, I've done it over and over and over again. It's like times. the the Georgia game, the the year where everybody was going, oh, Georgia's going to smoke them. It was like two years ago, maybe. Yeah, I it was played, an SEC championship I, game, yeah. 
I played everybody on Alabama. Everybody, nobody played at the Alabama stack. Like I think I had Jamison Williams, Devonta Smith, and Bryce Young, right? Just stacked them all together. It was amazing. It was so low owned. And yet they just exploded on Georgia because everybody thought Georgia had the best defense in the country. So am I going to be shocked if Alabama comes out and wins by 30? Nope. But I, if if there, there's no way they're getting blown out by 30. Yeah. I mean, to me, if I had the option, I would not pick this game. Um, I, I would just let it, I would let it sit out. Um, if you're playing DFS, obviously it's something on your schedule. It's something in the thing. There's, there's players to be played there. Obviously take a look at it. Um, if I'm putting together a bet slip, I, I'm probably just going to let this one play out and watch it as a fan and maybe just see what happens in the first quarter and decide from there. Uh, maybe try and get on something live, but um, to me, this is one of those I think can go completely the opposite way. Is like you said, though, I don't see where Bama gets blown out in any scenario in the history of this planet. Um, I could be wrong, but to me, obviously, I, like I said, I do an article in Tomahawk Nation. I pick ten games, and this is one of the ten most important games easily. So I, I'm going to go Alabama minus seven and a half is where I'm going to end up. Do you do you have a feeling one way or the other? Uh, yeah, I, I'm fine with Alabama minus seven and a half. Now there is one other game that I'm curious about what your opinion on. I'm hoping that you put it in there. Oregon, Texas tech. So I did sucker bet of all sucker bets. I didn't, I did not include it. What, what is the line there? I'm fairly certain it's Oregon minus seven and a half or six and a half. What, what is the line at? Cause I think I, it moved. I'm pulling it up right now. I know it's a late game because I saw it after I had built the full list and I was like, it's six. Oregon minus six is what I have it at. Tell me it does not scream, take Oregon and lay the points. It just so this happened to me earlier this year as well. I forget what the game was last week. And I and I kept looking at it going, This is a trap. I am staring a trap st- straight in the face. Yep. It's a trap. I mean it's a hundred percent a trap. Texas Tech just lost against Wyoming. Yeah, Oregon just laid 81 on Portland State, and they're saying six-point favorite, but they're playing at Texas Tech. I, I, when I initially saw it, I said, oh, six? Are you kidding me? But they're, once you factor it in, they're playing at Texas Tech. They've had heat advisories in Texas for the last few weeks, and they're having to turn the AC off for the power grid. What is Oregon going to do in that heat? Where it's been 76 consistently up there in Eugene, and now they come down to that blistering heat in Texas Tech, and Texas Tech's going to uh, go up tempo. All it's going to take is Tyler Shue getting in a little bit of a rhythm, and they could do get. It could be a shootout. It should be a shootout no matter what. But I'll be playing some Bo Nix. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I have to think it's a shootout as well. Um, I can't imagine Texas Tech ever being in some kind of defensive standoff. Um, Underrated defensive players, but they've been putting out some first-round talent lately. Sure, but, I mean, as a unit? I mean, the over-under here is 68. No, it's 69. I'm looking at the wrong game. I'm looking at SMU, SMU Oklahoma. This is, is, 68 this, is a game, this is a game that used to be, like, before the running clock, would have been, like, 78. Yeah. So it's about 10 points lower. And, and granted, these are two of the worst pass defenses, but... Texas Tech done a little bit better. They only gave up 18 rushing touchdowns last year. That's pretty good for them. I, I'm with you. I would just take Oregon and lay the points. That's what it says, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to want to say Texas Tech. I, I feel like I just go process over results. Process over results. Process says Oregon is better than Texas Tech. Lay my touchdown and go home, and if it loses, it loses. I think that's... That that makes too much sense. It's and college football at the end sense. of the day. At the end of the day, Bo Nix is bound to blow one of these, and that's the one, right? That would be the one. Yes, yes. This um, would make no sense. They come out of Laramie, Wyoming, and next thing you know, it's it's just no good. Yeah, I mean, other games on this slate that interest me that we didn't bring up is Iowa, Iowa State, which is just going to be a gross fest. Appalachian State, Appalachian State, App State, yeah. North Carolina, Not SMU, Oklahoma. Um, Cal and Auburn, UCF, Boise State, Wisconsin, Washington State. I think there's a lot of, I wouldn't call them like playoff caliber games, but like, hey, these are the teams who are going to probably, these are all like, if they put them and called them and put them in like Arizona and called them like, you know, 
the bad boy mowers cactus bowl, I'm there. So, I mean, yeah, it, there's a ton of like cactus bowls all over the country this weekend. I'm pretty sure it's the bad boy mowers Gasparilla bowl. Yeah. Right down the road from me, but I, I didn't know how to do that. So, yeah. I mean, Arizona, even Arizona, Mississippi state down here. I mean, the, you know, there's some fun games, Oklahoma state, Arizona state. There's a lot of really fun games. My level of disappointment that you have not mentioned James Madison at Virginia for the first time. And <laughs> I don't know how long as a six point favorite in Charlottesville is, is, is up there that's i'm heavily disappointed you didn't say that well that one actually made the article and i'm laying the points i'm taking jmu and and like i mentioned uh bill Connolly's sp plus actually says this one should probably be closer like 11 or 12 points for jmu laying them we we made a quarterback change mid-game last week to reestablish we is jmu for you you went to jmu yeah sorry sorry excuse me yes i did go to jmu i did go to jmu and they made a quarterback change last week uh, brought in a former Arizona starter that is now the was the backup, and he came in went what thirteen of fifteen for a buck fifty and uh, touch two touchdowns, and the other kid had was like three of eleven. So that's a good adjustment. Virginia was terrible against the run last year uh, or last week specifically, but I'm not trying to compare JMU to Tennessee, so. Joe Milton lit him up, so maybe Jordan McLeod is Joe Milton 2.0. I think Virginia's bad. Jordan McLeod's 5K in DFS. He's punt play quarterback. He can run (laughs) a little bit. Speaking of DFS, that's time for our conversation. You're going with the Saturday main slate. That's the early one. The 13-game slate kicks off at noon Eastern. Um, I had built a roster. I told you before you even got on here, and I've gotten about – Four of the six guys you listed out for us as kind of those building blocks. Uh, who do you like at quarterback? And I, we, it's a couple of games, a couple of guys from games we already talked about. Yep, Sam Hartman. I think is more of a cash game play to me. I think he's just safe. I think he gets three hundred yards and a couple of touchdowns. There's a lot of high priced quarterbacks, and somehow he was priced cheaper than a, than a good good amount of them. Uh, Shadur was ninety four hundred, which was crazy to me. Uh, Armstrong at ninety two. So there was there was guys up there, but I felt like Hartman was going to be in the most competitive game and be interesting there. And like we said, three ninety seven and two last year against them. I think they're going to need to rely on his arm to get him there with the NC State run defense being pretty stout. And then the other one we're looking at is the quarterback from Nebraska, Jeff Sims, former Georgia Tech, not great. And he can't throw the ball very well. He didn't throw the ball at all well last week against uh, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. And their offense looked putrid, but we think that Colorado is going to be just not good on defense all year long. And he's a poor man's Chandler Morris in this situation. Biggest plus to Sims. We're looking for 100 yards rushing. He had 92 yards rushing last week. And he had 19 carries, led the team in carries and yards last week against Minnesota. 14 of those were designed run plays for the quarterback position. So Matt Rule is going to try to slow this game down. He's going to try to ground and pound the ball. I think Sims is going to be a major part of that. And I'm looking for 100 yards and at least one rushing touchdown out of him. And then we're going to be happy with anything over 200 yards and one touchdown through the air. So the lineups I had built, I put that one together with Sims, and uh, I have one with Sims that I had put together. I paired him with, is it Wiegman? Yeah, I like Wiegman this week too. I thought he was a GPP play. I think he's got a little rushing upside, more rushing upside than Hartman. I just don't know if he has the passing upside. And then I have one with uh, Hudson Card at quarterback, paired with your 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 good Jackson Dart. <laughs> Yeah, he was he's expensive, man. Jackson Dart was expensive. Yeah, yeah, and and when we get to receiver, I think you'll see how I ended up getting there, but um yeah. Hey, I hate to tell you and I I didn't even, I didn't bring this up to you. I have not brought this up to you at all, and I didn't want to bring it up until we you brought him up. So the highest projected quarterback on the projection system was Brennan Armstrong. Is he really? Yeah, wow. He, okay. He projected for point a uh, tenth of a point more than Jeff Sims. Huh. Wow. So I, that, I wouldn't have expected that. I would have figured that Notre Dame's defense would have been someone to knock him down there. 
he just has so much rushing upside. I think that that's why he went there, but he's also priced way up and I don't think it's safe at all. So that's, that's kind of why I went to Hartman. That's fair. Uh, running back position. You have uh, what I guess we're going to start calling your lock button of the week. There, This is rare that it's going to come out every once in a while, but if I'm going to play him in every lineup, I'm going to tell you the lock button him. He might be 80% owned and there's 20% of the people that are donating cash because this guy needs to be 100% owned. It's Rasheen Ali. None of you have ever heard of him. He plays for Marshall. He didn't play, but I think he played two games at the end of the year last year, just a little bit. He was a all-world running back for Marshall two years ago. He was a star. And Amon Ross St. Brown touched. I know, Sun God just opened the scoring for the NFL season. How about that? That's a big one. (laughs) So Rasheen Ali is a bell cow's bell cow. Everybody's going to these two running backs. Michigan's got two running backs. Ali played in a not-so-close game last week, had 18 carries. He could get 30 carries in this game. And he had, yeah, he had 18 for 137 and two last week in a cupcake matchup. He gets East Carolina. East Carolina in no way is scary. And the biggest part for him is he's 4.8K. The guy should be 7.8K. I remember routinely having to pay over 7K for him two years ago when he was healthy. And then your other running back is your aforementioned Judkins. And I feel like you've already kind of listed out why you love him. Oh yeah, Leroy Jenkins, man, love that guy. <laughs> so the running backs that I have in my in the two lineups I have built, both of them had Judkins. Uh, both of them now have Ali, based off your recommendation. The other guy that I have in there as a running back in this one lineup that is a three running back one is George Irvin Jr. George, is that right? Okay. Or is it Greg? That's or... Gabe. It's Gabe. Gabe. Irvin, yeah. Look at me trying to guess the G name. Yeah, um, he's pretty good. They have a. Deep I, I'm just going on state. Colorado getting leaned on. Yeah, they have a deep running back stable. Uh, I think he had 15 carries last week, something like that. He's going to keep – he's more of a safe uh, guy for them. He's not as talented as a couple of the other backs they have there. But the one, the most talented guy, has a fumble problem. He can't hold on to the ball. So Gabe Irvin is in there, and he's going to continue to play. He can put up numbers. I, I think it's a fair play. He's still on my short list of guys that I'm willing to play. He's interesting. He was – Seven for 55 last week. Yeah. So that's the thing, though, is like, so if he had seven carries, the quarterback had twice as many designed runs. That's fair. Tough, and and, and the play. run game didn't go very well, I think, last week. But I, I imagine if you're playing in Nebraska against Colorado, if you're moving the ball down the field, maybe a handoff or two, and he falls in for a touchdown or two, I'm just imagining that Nebraska is not going to have much difficulty running on Colorado. That, that's my thought there. So Irvin is my second highest points per dollar play on the week at running back. So it is a it's a fair play. Like he's up there with with DJ Giddens, and he's only half a point behind the Notre Dame running back Estime. Uh, and then receiver, you've got us a, a cheap option here. Yeah, Dion Burks. So there was some questions. He worked. He's uh from Purdue. There was some, they've obviously changed guys. Uh, their head coach left and went to Louisville, but they brought in another guy who can wants to chuck it around a little bit. So there was some question as to whether TJ Sheffield, who was returning, was going to end up being the number one wide receiver now that Charlie Jones is left to the NFL. Burks cemented himself last week, planted his flag, we'll say. He didn't do it in sheer reception numbers in volume because I think they had, uh, I think Sheffield had four catches as well. Burks turned those four catches into 152 yards and two touchdowns, and he was impressive. Uh, There was some discussion whether he would be the one or not, but he's the one, and I'm notoriously do not like Virginia Tech whatsoever. Um, Typically down here, you have certain teams that you don't like. It might be Alabama usually. My my wife hates Alabama. She hisses at me when I turn the Alabama game on. Can't stand Florida. Virginia Tech's that for me. So I I can't stand Virginia Tech at all. My cousin played for Virginia Tech, and I hold it over his head that the last time they played JMU, we beat them. (laughs) Uh, And you already mentioned A&M's offensive bit. Evan Stewart, their name you like there. Uh, love Evan Stewart. So he was so impressive last year with an awful quarterback situation. 
but he was racking up numbers last year. He went on a good little stretch in the middle of the season uh, where he had 100 yards in pretty much most games. Well, last week he showed back up with that improved quarterback play from Wiegman, had eight for 115 and two, and that was with some of the other guys playing. Uh, They had another wide receiver who had three touchdowns last week. But I'm going to lean on Stewart. I think he's one of the most 10 most talented wide receivers in the country right now. And I think that they're going to need to throw the ball with their questionable run game. And that's going to lead me to Stewart being the safest of those higher priced options for this week. I think I'm going to mix and match them, but he projects very well for me in comparison. So oddly enough, the receiver I had already had locked into my two lineups, both of them uh, is Burks. Uh, I was kind of scrolling through towards the bottom and looking at like points per game that yeah points per game stats line stat lines target numbers and I was like well this doesn't make any sense Uh, so I landed on him in both those lineups the other name we already mentioned there was Restrepo I have in both lineups Uh, lower guy and again I think that's a TVD against a better team in A&M I think uh, could get a couple of plays there I might even see it as a large boom play. I almost see it as like, I just feel okay about rostering him. Um, I already has Stewart in there. And then the other guy I have was Moose Muhammad. You mentioned him as not a starter. That's yeah, a no so for you. He's not starting. So Noah Thomas and it's Noah Thomas and Evan Stewart are starting in two wide sets. The third wide receiver in the slot is, uh, what is it? Aeneas Smith. Yeah, I, I can't say his name. A-I- in as i think it I is assume it's a nice, if I had to guess. yeah something like that so he's the starter in the slot muhammad actually scored last week you probably saw that on the game log but he scored in the fourth quarter it was like the last touchdown they scored so he hasn't been playing don't know why uh what's muhammad priced at 4200 i actually have 4900 left Oh, okay. We got a little options um, here. And again, so that's this... not the one with that's not the one with Jeff Sims in it, huh? Um, hold on. Let me move Restrepo out of a flex spot here. I just find Restrepo way too cheap, to be honest. So you got a bunch of different options. In this my is opinion. the Sims lineup. It has Wiegman. So this okay. lineup is Sims, Wiegman. Ali, Judkins, Burks, Restrepo, Stewart, Wiegman. So Malachi Fields for Virginia is 4,700. He went four for 68 last week. Now we mentioned how abysmal they were against, against Tennessee. That was a bright spot to me. So against JMU, JMU notoriously very good run defense. They finished the year last year, second only to Georgia in rush and rush defense. I think they gave up 2.3 yards of carry on the season. So number two in your first year of FBS football in overall run defense, pretty good. Now pass defense, a little questionable. We give up a lot of yards to Georgia state, but Virginia, I think they're going to have to slow the ball and it's their first home game since the shootings last year. So they're going to have a big ceremony before the game there. So I'm a little concerned with that, but I think Malachi Fields projects well. I think he'll be interesting. Another guy, Kentucky, Dane Key. Kentucky's got some good wide receivers. They play Eastern Kentucky, blowout risk there, but you have some upside. And then you could try to throw a dart at some of these low-end two-lane receivers. I I have them still in here, but I don't know how I feel about their projection. Marshall's got some decent guys, too. Their tight end, actually, is 3,600, and he went 7 for 70 last week, which was impressive. Lots of names there. Um, I think I'm going to end up going fields here. I'm just rocking with you, and that'll give me a reason to watch the JMU game there. Um, Nobody needs a reason for that, bud. And I guess just to to talk through the thought process, I, I have said Restrepo, and I've gotten looks – on your face as you have not told me it's a bad play, but your face is telling me so. Um, I assume that's because there you don't expect there to be a ceiling. I, I like, for me, Colby Young is obviously the number one. He's 5,400, so you can't fit him. But is he 50? No, he's 5,900. I was looking at Roman Wilson from Michigan, who's 5,400. So for my money, I think that there's – floor there for sure i just don't know if you're putting it in a tournament i don't know that restrepo necessarily has ceiling like slate breaking upside maybe 
that would be my concern, I guess, is does he have slate breaking upside? Like is seven for 70 out of Restrepo, you know, if he goes seven for 70, he needs to be able to clear a hundred yards and get the bonus. You need to be able to get 20 out of him. And he could, I mean, if he catches a touchdown, I just don't know how many touchdowns he'll catch. Yeah, well, I mean, cost-wise, he's 4,100, I think it is. I just mm-hmm. I can't get to the load right now. So, I yeah, mean, he's 41. I think, if, like you said, if I can get 7 for 70 in a score, I'd feel pretty thrilled with how that turns out. That would be 20. Yeah, so, yeah, so if you can get that out of him, which I think is potentially there, A&M's still got a good run defense, so they're going to have to chuck it. I, 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 I don't hate the Restrepo play. I probably will play some Restrepo. I just and I probably prefer him to Colby Young because of the other options in that fifty nine hundred range, and value wise, Restrepo's the best guy in that market right there. Makes sense. And then um, I, I know we're not really prepared to go night slate. I'm mostly there, just my general thoughts, and I don't want to go too deep in depth with it. I'm going with uh, basically UCF and Oregon guys. Um, I, I think UCF is kind of undersalaried for some of their guys. I think they're going to have a nice game at Boise State, at least even the SP projections. SP Plus projections really like them as well. Um, and then I mixed in uh, Trey Bradford, LSU's running back, who actually started last week, and they talked highly of him again this week. It's a blowout against Grambling. I'm expecting was, if anyone's going to mop it up, it might just be him anyway. So I just I went was, with that. I was disappointed that game was on the slate. I, I got to put that slate together, but – I had no interest uh, in that. Yeah. I saw Logan. I got actually got a notification today that Logan Diggs was getting a lot of reps in practice. See, then that's ridiculous. Whatever. That's the LSU running back who transferred from, from uh, Notre Dame. And we, we, I made this complaint on the, on the uh, seminal rap podcast earlier this week, Brian Kelly and LSU made a big deal about how this year they were going to do injury reports and it was going to be legit NFL style injury reports, honest information. And, um, Quite literally in the first game, they were like listed Logan Diggs and three other guys as co-starters. First snap of the game is like a 50-yard pass to Trey Bradford, who's not on the four deep at running back. And then after the game, Brian Kelly's like, yeah, Logan Diggs hasn't really been practicing, hamstring issue, just not ready to even practice at a high level, let alone play. And I was like, he's quite literally listed as one of four guys as your starter. I mean, what? I went into the Discord for the game day, and it it literally was that, who the fuck is this guy meme? I just... And we were sitting there in the... And again, I was at the game in the press box, and he jogs out there, and everyone's like, who is that? And I looked in there, and I was like, that's Trey Bradford. And even the dudes on the LSU beat were like, really? Okay. Like, not not one person in the building who's been there at practice or any of this stuff expected him to be the guy to be out there. And it wasn't like he was just out there for one gadget play. I mean, like, he was out there a bunch, and I, which, whatever, it's, it's sour grapes. But I just don't understand if why, why create, like, we're going to do this great thing. It's going to be an injury report, and you guys are going to love it. And then at the end of it, be like, you know what? First chance I get, I'm going to lie to you. Why even make right. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I I am curious. Okay, so number one, Washington State can chuck it, and they're at yeah. home against Wisconsin. Lincoln Victor, I believe, is super underpriced uh, at wide receiver. He had a monster game last week, eight targets. I think he had 11 catches. I think that would be a guy that's probably mispriced, in my opinion. Uh, Arizona can light up the scoreboard and get lit up. So that's an interesting game for Mississippi <laughs> State. And then, uh, like you said, UCF's interesting. Their wide receivers I did see were very cheap. That That's interesting. I don't know which one to pick. You never know which one to pick there. Townsend, Baker, and Hudson. I They're don't see Arizona, Mississippi State on this oh. slate. Well, I was looking at my – I was looking at my schedule, my previous. No, it's okay. I schedule. I um I was really hoping that Auburn Cal would be on the schedule because I figured uh Robbie Asher on the late might... night. I don't have it on the seven o'clock one. No, late late night, buddy. You gotta go pack. Yeah, but I'm not looking dark. at that one right now. I'm gonna get on. I that love weekend. the four game. Give me the four. Give me all of the four game. Pack twelve after dark. The wife's upset because you come to bed at two a.m. for the Hawaii game. <laughs> How's your night been? I've been up chasing. That's all. Yeah, she's like, "What time is it?" And I'm like, 
2 a.m. Uh, like, how did the Hawaii game go? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I worry about those kind of slates. But uh, any other final thoughts heading into the weekend before we say goodbye? No, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I don't – please don't expect us to continue to win GPPs every week. Uh, we, <laughs> I, I feel very fortunate that we got one on the board. But uh, we're going to try to ship another one. And if we get lucky, hopefully Braylon Allen this week doesn't ruin all of our lineups from the early slate because he killed me last week. Is there a Rasheed Rice touchdown, huh? Yeah, that's impressive. That's surprising. Um, yeah, I'm with you though. Don't bank on us providing GPP winners every week. Hopefully, we just provide cash lineups. But hey, it, the potential is there. At least we know that for sure. Yeah, one day, every once in a while, maybe. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to Sharp and the Point. Until next week, Brian, Chris, see you later.